heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcast platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Alrighty, folks, and it's Sunday. We still have a Sunday nighter to go. This is episode number 135 of YWC Football Talk, presented by SidelineShop.ca. For all your jersey needs, visit SidelineShop.ca. And with me today is Keegan Stiefel, PatsPulpit.com, because obviously there's still a Sunday nighter left, but the Monday nighter means a lot for him and I. So, Keegan, let's let's take it away. Let's go talk about it. First place. They're already in first place. Uh, Patriots first place in the AFC. If they win tomorrow, I mean, they pretty much control their own destiny going forward. So, huge game. The biggest game they've played in two years. Uh, pretty big. We're used to big football games around here, but it, it was a long layoff. Exactly. Because I feel like the last big game was week 16 against Buffalo that Saturday afternoon in New England at home. Where I believe yeah. it was a Gilmore breakup pass for the win. <sighs> yeah, and then, like, even – I mean, the AFC division or the, the wild card game they played against Tennessee was big. It was Brady's last game, all that. But it just – it didn't feel like they had a chance going into it. They were, That team was a dumpster fire towards down, – down the stretch in 2019. So, yeah, it's wild to think that they're, you know, fighting for the number one seed in the AFC. I never would have guessed at the beginning of the year. Not even close. Oh, same. I thought for sure. I'm like, you know what? Hey, maybe if we sneak in a wild card, it's fine. I know – I've had you on here, I've had Pat on here, we've all been saying, you know what, hey, this team could find a way to win 10 or 11 games. And I don't think it's a matter of if they get to 10 games now. It's a matter of right. when are they going to get to 10 games. And obviously, we have the bye coming up, and then we have really like the weird bye where we play Monday, but then we play again in, I want to say it's 12 or 13 days after that. So 12, it's like, yeah, they play on Saturday. Yeah. So it's kind of a wonky schedule to see. I always had a feeling when I saw, the teams that were in that like potential to play the Saturday, I'm like Patriots Colts probably. And I said, Cleveland Vegas was going to be the other one turned out to be right. So it's also weird too, because we don't get to see Pat's football on a Sunday again until week 16. Yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. I mean, I'm looking at the schedule right now, like down below me, they've got, of course it ends up the Patriots, their bye week they only get 12 days off instead of the full 14, which means players get, they don't get their extra day off that they would. Um, back to practice a day early. I'm sure the coaches don't get any time off because they'll be preparing for, you know, the home stretch. But, yeah, I mean, they're going Buffalo, Indy, Buffalo, and then kind of like chalk, I think, what, to Jacksonville and then Miami at the end. So Miami, you never know, but Jacksonville, they should blow out of the water. So these next three games, like if they can if they can get two out of the next three, I feel pretty confident that they can be – they can win the division. Same, yeah, because basically after going into week 16, if we're sitting at, say, 10 and 5, I'll feel good. Even, like, I doubt we would be at that 9 and even, like, that 9 and 6 mark. But even now, like, where we look at tomorrow where it's like, hey, we're either 9 and 4 or 8 and 5, it's still, like, a loss tomorrow night's not going to be this whole worst-case scenario thing where it's, like, a complete season crusher. I feel like a loss for us, it is what it is. Buffalo will just take the win and celebrate it. But if it's the opposite way around, there's going to be some panic in Buffalo come uh, Tuesday morning. Yeah, I mean, I think prior to the season, I had Kansas City at the top. I don't think you, it would make sense not to. People would just be grasping at straws at that point. They looked not great in the first half of the season, but they're there. But I think everybody, it was down between Buffalo and Kansas City at, at the top of the AFC. So to be competing with one of the teams that was supposed to be the contender and supposed to be the team that was going to make it to the Super Bowl – it speaks volumes to like the job that everybody's done in new England. And um, I had them at 11 and six before the year. I I'm going to stick to it because no one knows what can happen in Miami. They they're still not really able to stop the run. Um, they gave up like 270 rushing yards to Tennessee last week and, and Indy can run the ball with the best of them. And then there's no way that you, you grab both against Buffalo, but 11 and six for a team that went, seven and nine last year and look the worst it's looked in two decades hell of a consolation you know bounce back year oh 100 like i don't i still remember this the first time you came on here was back in march right after we made all the signings look the tv deal was done i think if i had told you in march hey going into buff like obviously the schedule wasn't out by then but if i had told you hey 
December 6th, week 13, we're going to be playing the Bills for not only the top seed in the AFC East, but for the top seed in the conference. I think you probably would have laughed at me or said, oh, who's this kid? Who's this pal just uh, running his mouth, think, being like an overly optimistic Pats fan? But at the end of the yeah. day, look, it's where we are. Definitely wouldn't have believed you. I, I said it when we first came on. There's no way I would have believed that they'd be fighting for the division, period. Uh, no matter any time in this, like week five, I don't think they were going to be fighting for the division. And they weren't. Um, but they've come on so strong. This is the best six-week stretch they've had since 2018, like the down stretch in 2018. 2019, they looked great in the beginning of the season on defense, but the offense never looked good in 2019. And then the defense fell off. You know, the train came off the tracks down the stretch. So this is the best they've looked in well over two years, which saying that about a football team is really impressive because you, in the NFL, you've got teams that are consistent like Kansas City and New England, and they – where they're always going to get their 9, 10, 11 wins, whatever. To bounce back like this is unbelievable. Like, I can't, I can't say enough. You don't see this happen. It just never happens. And, and for them to do that, it's – of course, it's the Patriots, right? Oh, 100%. 100%. Like, yeah, I, I even had people saying to me, like, when I said, hey, I can see this team winning, I said even 9 or 10 games. Well, like, a buddy of mine laughed at me and said, oh, the Patriots are a downward trajectory. You're going to win five, six games this year. Like I'm like, I'm holding it in, like not to text it back. Like, I just don't like, I want to hold it out and just use it like at the right moment. Like I don't want to say something. And then it's just like, Oh, Hey, we lose all of a sudden. Like obviously now we're in number one because Baltimore decided, look, Hey, we want to be stupid, but for now I'll celebrate it. But as a Patriots fan and obviously I'm not a player, but I saw the mentality. Look, job's not done yet. Right. Yeah. They, this is a huge stretch. I think this will really tell you that, I hate the pretender contender thing because it's such it's so niche and like cliche is the word I'm looking for. But this three week stretch, this will tell you if they're serious or not. If they can grab two of these wins, there's a serious Super Bowl contender. If they don't, if they drop two in a row at any point or if they drop both to Buffalo, you know that they're not quite there yet. So a huge, huge three week stretch for them. Exactly. Like the ideal goal would be to be go three and oh, anyone would want that. But realistically, I see this being a two and one stretch, you know, like, look, hey, we're not going to run the table. We're going to probably have everyone's going to have to drop one eventually. Another time where I think we had such a good stretch, like this was 2016. Obviously, we lost to Buffalo in that year. We lost to Seattle Sunday night, which I still argue that could have been pass interference. Gronk drew up in the end zone there. But after that Seattle loss on the Sunday night, we ran the table. So that's why I always say this. I feel like every Super Bowl team has to have that loss in November or December because if you go in, if you go into the playoffs just on a hot winning note, your wheels are going to fall off easy. Like look at Baltimore two years ago, they were undefeated yep. from uh, undefeated from September and everyone thought, Oh, Hey, they're just going to roll through the AFC. Sometimes I'm not saying that, look, losing tonight, I'm not cheering for them to lose. No, obviously I want them to win tomorrow night. Are you kidding me? I would love nothing more for them to go into orchard park and beat the bills on Monday night football. Cause I know bills fans are talking so much smack. They thought, Oh, look at us. We're the big kids on the block now, but it's just like, nah, not so fast, buddy. Yeah, I I can't say enough about – like, if they can go into Buffalo, which no one expected them to be able to compete with Buffalo this year. If they can go into Buffalo, eke out a win, that puts them at 9-4, and four, I believe. Yep, yeah, so that puts four. them at 9-4. and four. You're guaranteeing a 10-win season because you've got the Jaguars, you know, on the schedule. Plus, you've got to win in Orchard Park. Then you go to Indy on a high after a bye week. Play Indy. You get like there. I think if they can win tomorrow, there's a chance they go three and zero in this stretch. I think if they lose, I also expect them to lose to Indy, which is, it's a wild like either three and zero or one and two is or zero and three is crazy. But I think tomorrow is probably the biggest game they've played in a while, and it's super important. And it's nice that they got an extra day to prepare. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want any other coach with an extra day to prepare for you know the number one seed in the AFC, a game where you could grab that from Bill Belichick. Exactly. Cause even like, I know Buffalo's obviously had more time to prepare for us, but at the same time too, look, I know they had a great win against the saints, but they made a lot of mistakes that I look at. I'm like, okay, if you're playing the Patriots and like you're Josh Allen's throwing those picks, I'm like, there's no like, Hey, yeah, we're just going to get the ball and then do nothing. No, the Patriots are going to capitalize when you turn it over. Yeah. The, the defense I'm not worried about. I think the offense, I'm still not, as much as everybody wants to crown Mac Jones, like he, there's still things that he needs to work on. And against a, a defense like Buffalo's where even without Tredavious White, they force turnovers. They've got two great safeties who 
are known, both of them are known for being able to bait quarterbacks into throwing bad passes. Like that's what Micah Hyde made his living off of. That's why he's still in the NFL. Um, I, I'm, I don't think they're going to be able to score a ton of points. I think this is a huge defense, not, not get after Josh Allen, but force Josh Allen to try to create. Cause that's when it, it starts to get a little stupid sometimes where he's out of the pocket. He thinks he can make a throw. And with JC Jackson and Devin McCourty back there, like you can't make those throws. No one can make those throws because JC is always going to be in the right or Devin McCourty is always going to be in the right spot. And then JC Jackson's going to clean up the garbage. Like, like Bill Belichick said, that's, that's what they do. So um, game plan wise, not to transition on you, like defensively, I think the idea is Jamie Collins spying Josh Allen, pin your ears back, try to get after him, make him move around a little bit. Don't let him create on the ground. That's what Jamie Collins is for. And then force him to throw it up there. He's going to make great throws. That's what he does. But also they're not going to run the ball. So he's also going to make mistakes. So let him make, let Josh Allen lose the game for the Bills. Don't try to, you know, make Mac Jones win it, make Josh Allen lose it, if that makes sense. I agree with that 100%. I'm being honest with you. I honestly agree with your opinion on that because look, Tomorrow night, I'm not expect. I think the over-under is at like 42 or 43. Obviously, don't take my gambling advice. I have not won money gambling on football this year. I've won money gambling on hockey, but not football. Um, that's my whole thing for tomorrow night. I just, ex- I honestly expect a very similar game to what we got in Buffalo last year. Obviously, the finish is very different. Obviously, hopefully, it's us winning this time. But I expect, you know, like that, like 20-something to 20, like maybe like – low 20 score maybe even high teens somewhere in there because i know there's been a lot of times even in 2019 there was that one game where we went there and we almost lost to matt barkley if you remember that game because uh yep i'm trying to think of who was it that knocked out josh allen may some who was it it may have been it may have been jc jackson or it was maybe jonathan jones it was one of the two yeah it was i know it was a corner but i think it was john jones I think it was John Jones too, because I remember just yelling like "get wrecked" because I didn't realize the extent of the hit. Then I see Josh Allen down, and I'm just like, "Oh, that's that's bad." But um, no, honestly, it's one I expected to defend. I honestly think it's going to come down to which offensive line not only can protect the quarterback better, but can prevent the other defensive line getting to the quarterback. And when it comes down to that, for as good as Buffalo's defensive line has been this year, I honestly think, look, if you had to ask me, put money, the whole like you know, gun to your head, what are you going? I'm going to the Patriots D line. Yeah, 100%. And, and Buffalo's had issues. I wouldn't say issues with their offensive line. They just haven't had any continuity. It's like one guy's in, yeah. one guy's out. They're flipping it up. But now they're going to have all their guys back. So this is a huge – I think this is a, a Christian Barmore game where he's going to get a lot of playing time because they're going to throw the ball a lot. So let him get after the quarterback. Uh, Devon Godchow has been a better pass rusher than run defender, surprisingly, this season. Uh, Larry guy. guys there. Yeah, he's, he's their run defender, so I don't think we're going to see a ton of him. But Hightower in the middle where he – if he plays, I don't know what the deal is with him. He might be on the COVID list. We'll find out tomorrow. But uh, he didn't practice and wasn't on the injury report, so draw, draw your conclusions. But if you have Hightower, let him get after the quarterback, Kyle Van Noy, Jamie Collins. Like I, th- I feel like the defense was built for games like this where – you know who Buffalo is. You you know Josh Allen's going to go back and he's going to try to throw the ball 50 times a game, um, compete that way. And I, I think they can be successful on defense. I just – I worry so much about the offense. Even though they've been phenomenal, they've, they've put up great numbers, I still worry about them. I, I don't know if they can consistently find a way to move the ball against a defense like Buffalo's. I honestly expect tomorrow to be more – and I'm also going to say something about a Buffalo defender I found out through pro football focus in a second – but with Buffalo's um, defense, yeah, I just feel like that. I feel like even with the Patriots, I feel like – I know I'm saying I feel like a lot. I'm just going all over the place. I want to say ex- don't expect a big, like, Kendrick Bourne game. Like, you know, last week we finally got to see, hey, what Johnny Smith can do in the past game. Hunter Henry's kind of relevant. I'd expect, like, you know, hey, another Nelson Aguilar game, another, like, Jacoby Myers, Nikhil Harry. Like, get those guys involved. Like, get the guys that Buffalo's not preparing for because, look – after last week, especially, too, you have to be ready for the born identity. You have to be. And my fact about Buffalo is that Jordan Poyer's, uh, when quarterbacks throw to him, it's still a 16.7 QBR. So that's just something to keep in mind. So Buffalo's got some guys back there. Obviously, the Trenavious White loss is huge. But you yeah. you got to take it into mind, the, uh, that Buffalo, they still got some guys back there who are just ball hawk. Yeah, I, that's why I would say any other team, Trenavious White, being gone sucks because Buffalo doesn't have their – 
their number one guy to match up with whatever number one guy the opposite team does. But New England doesn't really have a number one guy. Like, if I think if Buffalo had their say who they'd put him on, it would be Nelson Aguilar just because he's the stretch to field guy and he's always out there. But he, he Tredavis White's not going to come play the slot. So Dane Jackson is going to do that. That's what he does. And then on the other side with Kendrick Bourne, him with the safety over the top, I think he'll be fine. Um, so I don't think this changes much for Buffalo. So as, as much as you would think, Tredavious White, one of the best corners in football, him being out is going to help the Patriots. I don't think it helps them all that much. I, I think it's kind of a wash that they don't have that, that guy who's going to beat the number one corner consistently. They don't have Stephon Diggs, which they should have made a move to get him two years ago, but I'll like, I'll get off that soapbox, but they don't have that guy. So I think it's kind of a wash with him being out. And then with their linebackers and their run defense, like Damian Harris hasn't looked phenomenal in the past few weeks he's looked kind of average Ramondre Stevenson's good as a change of pace guy or he has been good as a change of pace guy you can't feed him the ball 20 times a game yet so I think it's going to be a sloppy game I I told Pat and Spags uh, my co-hosts I think 22-19 like I think Buffalo is going to be down four with like a couple minutes left and they're going to drive down and score I that's what I expect um wouldn't be surprised if it ends up differently but that's what I expect like a a gross Buffalo game, the wind chill or the um, the winds are supposed to be up to like 50 miles an hour at nine o'clock tomorrow night. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be like a wild game. So um, I think it's going to be ugly. I, I went off on a tangent, but I think it's going to be ugly. Hey, you know what? Um, it's, it's what you're allowed to do. You're my guest. I let my guests do what they want. Um, that's another reason to why I am not attending this game tomorrow night, even though it is the Pats and I can legally cross the border by driving now. I was going to say it's close, right? It's close. It's just with um, – it's just going to sound really – I'll tell you in a second. But for me, for booking off work, I would have had to book off today, like tomorrow and Tuesday. But I didn't, don't really want to do that. Also, I'm taking some time off at the end of the year. And this is going to sound bad, but I'm actually there this weekend in Buffalo shopping. Finally get to go to Target. Going to actually two hockey games. I'm going to two Sabres games. Nice. But oh, gross. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> look, the I'm going to spend – terrible. I'm going to spend like 20 or 30 bucks on upper bowl seats. I'll just sneak down to the cool. lower bowl. I'm going to because it's the Rangers on Friday night and then it's the Cavs on Saturday night. So it's like, hey, I could see go. two good teams. Two good teams. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, with so yeah, that's the main reason why. With just work and everything and the plus two Buffalo can be a very hostile environment. So I don't really know if I want to go behind enemy lines. Buffalo, no, like shout out to the people in Buffalo. Buffalo, the city stinks. Like there's no reason to want to go to Buffalo. No, no offense. They've got good food, I guess, but that place stinks. I, I wouldn't want to go to Buffalo. I'm also notoriously anti-football in person like I don't think it's fun um I'd rather watch it on tv so I I understand I get it I'd like to watch that game at home in the comfort of my own home without having Buffaloans breathing on me and stuff I mean 17 year old me went with my family and my dad is out going you're having something or was going to the washroom and my mom my sister and I had beer thrown on us so I think that kind of explains what it is and like Tough, yeah yeah ever since then I'm just like the next, and that was 10 years ago. And so the next time I, I said to myself, the next time I see the Patriots in Foxborough, which I keep hammering my girlfriend, look, we're going to go in 2022, which it's looking possible. So I'll still owe you that drink. I owe you from your birthday last year, maybe another one from this year when we get down there. But no, um, even to your point too, of watching the game live to watching the game at home. Look, what did I do before I came on here with you on Zoom? I was watching Scott Hansen for the last six and a half hours. So did I have a great Sunday? You Damn right I did. <laughs> Like that's like that's just the thing with with red zone. I'm just like when the Patriots don't play, I'll watch it. Yeah, no, it's perfect. I, I had a great Sunday too. Didn't have anything to do today. Watch TV all day. I watched the entirety of the on my my main screen. I had Eagles Jets, which was surprisingly like a fun game through three quarters. So um, I'm sick. I'm a crazy person, just just like the rest of us. If you can watch that game in its entirety without turning it off or going to do something else, then. You have a disease, uh, a football disease. So I've got that too. I've got the same thing where I can sit here all day and watch football. I'm the same thing too. Every Thursday I'll go into a game being like, oh, why is this the game? And then I'm just like, I'm going to end up – I say the same thing I've heard on many podcasts. Look, this game sucks, but am I still going to bet on it and watch it? Of course. That's like me like literally every like Thursday and Monday night game. I can rag on the announcers all I want because I know uh, I'm not the biggest fan of them. The guys on – well, not of all three, but there's one guy that I don't like on the ESPN announce team, uh, Greasy. Um, but – 
I, I just find that like he's I'm gonna go off a bit of a tangent here, but I just feel like you know when you're at a party and like you're talking and then some guy just like randomly says something, and everyone's like, what the fuck? Like like who are you? That's what Brian Greasy seems like, where it's like like Lewis Riddick, I like him. I think event I think he's trying to low-key audition for like a to get back in the front office. I think he's the first chance he gets to that, he's gonna take it. And then Steve Levy, I'm like, he's okay. And then Brian, I'm just like, I I just can't I just haven't been able to get get used to him. That's all. Yeah, I so I'm in like the opposite. I don't hate any announcers because first of all, it's so hard to do that job. Like that's a tough job. And also, unless you're actually muting announcers, you know, like, do you actually hate them that much? I'm not, I'm not saying anything about you and Brian Greasy. I'm sure you hate him, but like when people tweet like, Oh, Joe Buck's terrible. No, he's not. He's fine. He does his job. He does what the network wants him to do. He's actually really good at his job. You just don't like the way he does it. So I, I like to defend the announcers, those poor guys. They get so much shit for no reason. I, I don't hate him. I just would feel better if he, like, I just think there's someone else that's better out there for the job. Because if you're asking me who my favorite ESPN is, um, well, for play-by-play announcer, I'm looking at his book right now, Out of Pocket. Mr. Kirk Herbstreit and Chris Fowler, those two are Great. the best. Which, so by I, the way, read the book. Good. Oh, I was just about to say, so I saw that you read it. I saw you tweeted something about it. I actually... I because hey. <laughs> I wrote a book report on it for my my last college class because we needed to nice. pick some random book. But I saw you. It's not going back. I'll put it back later. Um, I saw that you read it and I was like, oh, it's wild. I'm reading the same thing. It's a good book. Uh, yeah. Kirk Herbstreit's great. He'll never do the NFL because he's the face of college football, but um, he's phenomenal. And like like I said, I just I think all announcers are really good at their jobs. There's a reason why they're employed by the biggest networks and you know, the world <laughs> because they're really good at their job. So like people are like, Oh, Joe Tessitore sucks. No, he doesn't. He's really no. good. You want to hear who sucks? Like I work another tangent. I work at the college of the Holy cross uh, in Massachusetts and I do their broadcasts. You want to talk about like a men's, a men's lacrosse commentator for division below one a sports. Like those guys suck. the, the uh, the NFL announcers for ESPN they don't suck they're good no no I don't like the only the only announcers I've ever really had a problem with this year was the guys who did the uh, Patriots Patriots Panthers game because like when they were calling JC Jackson Justin Bethel and then they didn't even realize Mac Jones was out of the game um, that's when I'm like okay guys like realize what's going on here that that that's all like I think Pat because actually Pat was on here the last time that same day and we both were talking about that I know I know I just said they don't suck but actually Dan Fouts was very bad. Um, I don't know how he held a job for 10 years. He was, he's the worst football announcer I've ever heard in my entire life. I just felt like he, I just didn't like him because I feel like later, like in the last few years of the Brady era in New England, I feel like he would just find an opportunity to rip on Tom and just run with it. Where Tom would do one thing. He's like, Oh, look, Tom, he's bad. This, this, this. I'm just like, please stop. It's like Dan Deardorff in his later years of CBS as well. I feel like there's certain guys who just like either liked Brady or would just find the littlest thing and just attack him on it. Yeah. Um, yeah, he wasn't great. I, I completely flipped on what I said earlier. That guy stunk. Hey, everyone gets one pass. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to ask you quickly, just with tomorrow night's game, uh, the board behind you. So is Kyle Duggar officially out for tomorrow night or is he, we didn't, haven't seen anything? Um, he can be activated by four o'clock, but um, I believe Sean Davis made the trip, which means they're bringing an extra safety, probably not – if they were to get him out there, so they would need to activate him by four o'clock and then he can't travel until he's activated Kyle Duggar. So if he didn't make the trip today, they're not going to play him. It's just that simple. They've got a, they've got guys who can, you know, simulate what he does for a game. I, I doubt he plays. I had that up last week when he got, or Wednesday when he was put on the list. Cause that's my guy. Everybody knows I was, I invented Kyle Duggar. You did. You did. And another guy you invented had a very good game winning touchdown today. I know your sweet prince, Amon Ross St. Brown. And My then guy. another one of your guys who's going to be playing in the Rose Bowl on New Year's Day, which I've seen some people, we'll get into that in a minute. But in the first mock draft from the Athletics, Dane Bugler, uh, Dana Bugler, the Patriots selected Chris Olave in the first round, which is music to our ears because this is the Chris Olave train and we're not getting off until he's wearing someone else's cap come draft night. Listen, in 2017, or was it 2018, excuse me, his freshman year at Ohio State, he caught a touchdown against Michigan. I said, this guy's going to be a Patriot one day because he 
He caught a touchdown and had three special teams tackles in the same game. I've been on the train since. I've never wavered. I, my love has only gotten stronger. Um, I still think he'd be a perfect Patriot. I do struggle with seeing them draft a wide receiver in the first round when they need a tackle, a corner, a linebacker. Like they need all those things probably more than a wide receiver. They've got four of them wrapped up for the next year. But uh, there's there's a chance. There's a chance they get him. Um, but yeah, I, I love Chris Olave. That's my guy. Amon Ross St. Brown. When Chris Olave went back to school, I found a tweet earlier today because I was looking for that one that I, I quote tweeted. I was looking for one and I saw it said something like Chris Olave is going back to school. So now Amon Ross St. Brown is my draft crush. And that's true. <laughs> I, he became my draft crush. He dyed his hair blonde. He was really cool. Caught a game on a touchdown pass today. Happy for my guy. Oh, you, you love to see it. You just love to see that. Oh, but no, no I just had to bring that up because obviously I know he was your guy and stuff like that. But um, I was going to say, out of all the Patriots this year from the actual draft, uh, not the draft, but from, that have been playing, there's one position, one player I had to point out because you don't really hear much about him. David Andrews and Ted Karras. I feel like both those guys have had really good moments this year where because a lot of the times when someone's like, oh, they're not been doing good, no one's really saying anything about them. But I always say that with football where it's like, when you don't hear someone's name getting called, usually it means they're doing a good job. Right, yeah. David Andrews, to have not missed a single snap this year and basically done half of Mac Jones' job for him, calling protections and being the guy that sets everything up up front, he's been phenomenal. I, I think he leads the AFC and, and Pro Bowl votes at center. Absolutely 100% deserving. Um, he deserves that, that spot. And I'm, like he's an all pro this year. He's been yeah. phenomenal. Uh, Ted Karras, I think, don't, don't be mad at me, but I think he's been a little bit overrated. I think mm-hmm. left guard has been the only spot on their offensive line that's had trouble at all. I think Michael Unwenu is better served as a tackle, to yeah. be honest with you. So he he wasn't great at, at left guard. Ted Karras, he's been fine. I think what makes Ted Karras the, the right choice to play right now is the fact that Isaiah Wynn plays better with him in there which obviously is a communication thing. He's, he's a better communicator than Unwenu or whatever it may be where he helps Isaiah Wynn do his job. So that's worth its weight in gold. That's the reason why he's playing. But neither one of them has been particularly, you know, tremendous at that spot. But he, he has been a good communicator. Just his play by itself, from what I've seen, it hasn't been up to par with what we saw last year, let's say, out of, um, out of Unwenu when he had to play that spot. Yeah, no, no, I get it. I just, I just felt like Ted Terrence was one of those guys where you don't see him letting up a lot in pass protection. That's all. That's just my eye. Like, obviously, we have different eyes. We're allowed to agree or disagree. Right. But, look, I'm not going to come at you being like, oh, I can't believe Keegan said this about Ted Terrence. Oh, my God. But, no, like, that's the thing about this year's team is that, look, it's not one individual player. It's a collective effort of guys getting the job done because they all know what they need to do and get the hand to task. But I'll also say this, too, because I had a I had a Bills uh, – Bill's guy on actually right as the just before the winning streak began after they lost on Monday Night Football to the Titans. And he basically told me that not making the Super Bowl this year for them is a failure. I'll flip it around. If the Patriots make the playoffs, say losing the divisional round or the conference championship. I'm not, I don't look at anything of the season as a failure at this point. They could lose in the wild card round. I'd still think that. Yeah. Like this year, if, you, if you're not the number one seed, you're playing in the wild card round. So yeah. if they say they lose tomorrow, they're probably going to end up playing in the wild card round. I don't think they can catch up to Buffalo if they lose tomorrow. So say they're the fourth, the fifth seed, because that's the highest they could be without winning the division. They played the fourth seed on the road. They end up losing to who's the what's the fourth division? Uh, let's see Not right the West, now. The, the South. South. Oh, the Titans. They would probably play the Titans, right? Say, I doubt they lose in Tennessee, but say they lose in Tennessee, I still don't think it's a, a failure of a season because I didn't. That's what I expected. This whole time, yeah. <laughs> I, there's a graphic out there somewhere. Eleven and six, losing the divisional round. I think I said, but even if they lose in the wild card round, like they they did what they were supposed to do this year. But you got great performances out of Mac Jones, Kendrick Bourne. You have a superstar in Matt Judon. Like you, you found all these pieces moving forward. So uh, to be able to find the kind of team that you're going to be for the next few years is worth its weight in gold, even if you don't win a playoff game. Because even too, I remember hearing right after we lost to the Saints, your last appearance on here. Yes, I remember. I have a really good memory. That this, a lot of Patriots fans at that point, and I started doing it too. I wasn't looking at 2021. I was looking at like 22, 23, 24. Because I'm like, look, this player has, this team has Mac under the window where they don't have to extend them. 
And then also we've got all these guys locked up long-term like Hunter Henry and uh, Johnny Smith. I think each got three and four year deals. Kendrick Bourne, I believe got a three-year deal. Aguilar's two. I think Judon's a, another three or four. So they four. have a window to where, look next year. Yeah. The pressure is going to be back. And I'm just like, I'm not saying, look, we're going to make the Super Bowl, but the last two times the Super Bowl was in the greater Phoenix area. The AFC representative just may have been the new England Patriots. That's, that's just, that's just something I'm throwing out in the air. It's true. Yeah, I don't think they signed a single person to a one-year deal. Uh, I might be mistaken. Karras, I believe, was. Oh, so Karras was a one-year deal, but I wasn't th- – like, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, so yeah. they signed one guy to a one-year deal. So everybody else is back next year. Uh, they have an opportunity to get out from Aguilar. I think they'd, they'd have to pay for it. But, like, if they want that roster spot for a draftee, uh, like, say they draft Chris Olave, they can get out from under that. Um, I don't think he's been bad at all. Another tangent, Nelson Aguilar has been great doing what they expect him to do, stretch the field and block. That's what he does, and he does it well. Um, and, and when he has been throwing the ball, I don't think he – I think he has two drops. One of them was huge, but uh, he has two drops this year, which is on the lower end for him. So they've got everybody coming back. They can add in spots where they need to because the cap's going to explode. Um, I think next year, no matter what, if they lose every game for the rest of the year, they won't. But say they lose every game for the rest of the year, they end up eight and nine. Um, it's going to be seen as a, a shit show, but they're still in a good spot to compete next year, yeah. no matter what happens down the stretch. So like I said, too, hey, no sleep till Phoenix, am I right? Um, but the other thing I was going to say is, too, because I know next year we do have some key free agents like Dante Hightower, Devin McCourty. Who have to get locked up? Uh, Ted Karras, I also feel like, too, was at that weird point where they signed him as Adrian an insurance. Adrian, Huge a- one. Adrian Phillips, the biggest one. J.C. Jackson. I doubt they tag him. I feel like, look, just give the man his money and run. Give, give, him, give him, Just give him his deal. Come on. Um, but I feel like Ted Karras was only signed as an insurance policy in case they lost David Andrews, but the fact that they managed to get both back, I said, look, hey, worst-case scenario is, is if one of them goes down or if they need Ted Karras to fill in at guard, great that's how i looked at the tech signing honestly when it happened and even to with guys like Aguilar, i in one of my many few articles it's not a mock draft i wrote i basically did a little piece of typing up of one of my thoughts were on every single signing for the patriots and for a lot of them i just said look they come in they do their job i'm going to be happy with them and that's nelson Aguilar right now it's a patriot he's basically following a patriot model of do your job but when it comes to the free agent signings as a whole if you had asked me two who stand above obviously matthew judon and then the other has to be kendrick Bourne. Yeah, I'd probably say that. Uh, Judon's been the best free agent signing in football. I, I think it's like pretty safe to say he's been he's a top five edge defender in the game. They got him for like nine million dollars a year, which is peanuts for somebody yeah. in that position. That's like half of what the the top dogs are getting paid. I think it's exactly half of what DJ Watts getting paid. Kendrick Bourne for $3 million is your best wide receiver. Um, and, and that's not like a, your wide receiver room sucks. That's why your best wide receiver is only making 3 million bucks. No, he's like best value addition that you could make. And then to stem off that, Kobe Myers is Kobe Myers. He's going to catch like 75 balls. He's going to go for 800 yards. He'll catch a couple touchdowns. If you can have that guy, then that's great. I think he'll probably make the same amount as, as a Kendrick Bourne when it's his time. He's coming up on the uh, the restricted free agency too, so we'll, we'll see what happens with him. Maybe they let him walk and, and try to upgrade that slot position. But um, those two guys, Adrian Phillips, who was two years ago, but last year was kind of a wash. He's been phenomenal again. He's like second on the team in interceptions. Pretty much every move they made was they they struck gold on. Um, I'm struggling to think of a move that hasn't worked out. Johnny Smith has been underwhelming. I would say, but that's because you signed two tight ends, top of the line, tight end number one money. One of them is going to be disappointing. You can't have them both be, be yeah. great. Unless it's Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski, but that wasn't going to happen, obviously. Um, you know, Hunter Henry's been great. Touchdown machine. He's Mac Jones' favorite target in the red zone. So, yeah, they, they did a great job last year. And like I said earlier, they can improve on it going into next year. Even if they miss a couple times, there's so much money left over where they can, they can make some moves. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And also, too, to know uh, soon-to-be new father, Hunter Henry. But with John Smith, I always expect him to come and be more of a blocking 
tight, like the blocking tight end role. So like, I wasn't too disappointed. I'm not too disappointed in it so far. Um, the only thing I got to say about the Patriots thing, I never expected the Boston Tea Party to start up again. Like we saw with Gronk and Aaron Hernandez. Um, one of my biggest what ifs in sports is if the self of Aaron Hernandez never ever happened. And if he played a full career in the NFL, that's one of my biggest what ifs, especially too, after he signed a huge contract. Um, I was expecting this to be more of like a Martellus Bennett, Rob Gronkowski kind of duo, you know, where one guy gets tight, one guy gets all the bulk of the touchdowns, but then Martellus Bennett just kind of does his job and look, he's not exactly perfect. He's not going to be an all pro, but you're, you're like, you're satisfied with his performance. Is that, is that the correct word to use? Yeah, I, th- I think he's – so the way I look at it is he's the perfect guy to fill in if you have an injury. The Patriots haven't had any injuries except for James White, um, and that's probably the one spot he couldn't fill in because he hasn't been in the system for seven years like James White has. <laughs> but if someone gets hurt, whether it's a wide receiver, running back, tight end, that guy's going to fill in. He's going to do a good job. So that's worth the money alone because um, you can't expect that over the next four years or however long – I think it's a five-year contract – over the next five years that no one's going to get hurt at any spot. And he's never going to have to, you have a guy fill in and eventually find a role for him on an every down basis, not every down, uh, every series basis where uh, you have ideas for him. Like you did with the Cordero Patterson, where you can get him the ball. And they're starting to do that. You saw it last week. They get like four catches for 50 yards, something like that. If you can get that out of him, plus the touchdown production from Henry and then everything else you're getting, that's perfectly fine. It's worth the money. Also, I want to say this too. I wasn't ignoring you. I was just Googling John Smith and looking up his page just to see what his contract is. It's four years at 50 million. Obviously, there's none of the guarantees in there. I just literally, it's Wikipedia. What do you want from me? But with that, so four years, so like we got three more years of the guy left. So it's like, look, hey, if he doesn't have a good first year, could have a good second year. You never know. But um, the other thing I'm going to say with, the, with this whole argument too, because I do agree that tomorrow night is a must win in the sense of we still want to win the division. Only because if you look at Buffalo's schedule for the remainder of it, I don't know who they – I'll get into who they have next week in a minute, but their last three games are – they still – after next week they have the Panthers, us again, the Falcons, and the Jets. I would just love to see – here's the other reason why I want to see us win so bad tomorrow night, because they have to go to Tampa next Sunday and play Brady. And we all know who's dominated the Bills for the last 20 years. It's like 31-2 and two or something like ridiculous against Buffalo. Yeah, I, I, I think it's like, yeah, it's something like that. Because I, I remember his only losses were, unfortunately, the one game I went to in Buffalo, uh, 2003, when they got their asses kicked. And then Lawyer Malloy, yeah. yeah, the Lawyer Malloy game. And then there's another one out there where there's another game. I'm just blanking on right now. Because the only other one I can remember that the Bills won was in 2016 when they beat us 16 to nothing with uh, Jacoby Brissett with a broken finger. And we're all like, and they were gloating about the win so much. And we're just like, you beat our third-string quarterback. It was a broken finger, and you only got one touchdown. Congrats. Yeah, I think, I think that was Rex Ryan's last win as an NFL head coach, if I'm not mistaken. Or maybe that was a year – that was the year before. Never mind. No, no, that was because McDermott took over in 17 for them. Okay, so, yeah, that was that was his last win in the NFL. He got fired in the year or something like that. Um, yeah, I, I would expect Buffalo to win – how many games do they have left? Six? Let's see. They have Tampa. Let's see. New England, Tampa, Tampa. Carolina, New England, Atlanta, C6. They have six. We've got five. I would expect them to go four and two, which means the Patriots have to go four and one over the next however many games to, to match that. Uh, don't think it's going to happen. Like I said earlier, I just I don't see them winning the division. I never expected them to. But if you win today or if you win tomorrow, then it starts becoming a little bit more real. Yeah. And also too, it's just all the takes, all the takes and stuff like that it just gets super elevated to where it's the Patriots. Oh, are like, as if we know if whoever loses tomorrow night, it's going to be, Oh, are these guys actually for real? We don't think so. And I got, got, got the whole, cause that's the thing with the NFL. It's the biggest one game reaction in like out of any sport. But now like, say for example, Baltimore, you're going to be everyone going tomorrow. Oh, are the Ravens still a legit team, even though they lost, but they lost on their own stupidity. So that's kind of an asterisk. Um, we can get back to the game in a sec, but I just wanted to talk about college football for a sec. Obviously, I know that's a little bit of a big area of interest for you, especially being an Ohio State fan. But were you satisfied with the top four rankings, or do you feel like it was a little off? They got it exactly right. I think it's the first time they've gotten it right in like three years. It's been a while since 
they put the teams that deserve to be in over the teams like the, the big names or whatever. Um, Cincinnati, if you go undefeated and you have a quality, at least one quality win, you deserve to get it. They had their quality win. I, I would say they had two. I think Houston's a really good team. Um, Ohio State lost two games, you know, and they lost to a great team, but they also lost to Oregon, who fell apart down the stretch. Um, Notre Dame, even with the fact that where I think they kind of got screwed because Brian Kelly left and that might have played into it. I think even with him there, they, they didn't deserve to get in. They, they just weren't good enough. Um, and then Alabama and Georgia, obviously, were going to get in with the result the other day. And Michigan beat the brakes off Iowa, so they deserve to get into. And I like the order where you're going to see Alabama versus Cincinnati. So this gives the group of five teams, like, this is your opportunity. If you want to show that you're equal, or not equal, but you, you can live up to the, the Power Five conferences, then this is your opportunity. It's the big, bad bully in Alabama. And then Georgia and Michigan is going to be a great game, I think. I think Georgia's far and away a better team, but who knows what the role that Michigan's been on. So I think I think it's going to make for a fun a fun uh, semifinal and final eventually. I think it's going to be Alabama-Georgia. I think everybody knows that. But it's going to end up being Alabama-Georgia. I think it'll end up being Alabama-Georgia too in Indy come January 10th. Um, I, I like it. Personally, I would have preferred to – I think there was a sh- chance that, hey, Michigan gets number one just because their win, I think, was more convincing over Iowa compared to Georgia. But if you look at it too, Georgia is obviously a better team than Iowa, so I kind of get what the committee was going with there. And then, look, Michigan at two, so that's fine. Georgia at three, Alabama at four. And then I want to say was it Baylor at five and then Ohio State at six, or was it Notre Dame at six? It was Notre Dame five, Ohio State six. Baylor okay. was seven. Um, and Oklahoma State was nine. I forget who, who ended up at eight. Maybe Utah? Yeah, it was Utah. Right. Which I, I know on. Yeah, it was Utah. Oklahoma was out of the top ten. Yeah, because with now with New Year's Day, obviously, look, this is how I look at it for the whole college football playoff for the New Year's Six. Look, college football, the, the semifinals, it's going to be a great thing to watch during the pre, pre-drink, and then you watch the Orange Bowl, before, I believe it's because I believe it's going to be caught and then Orange. And you watch the Orange Bowl when you're at the party. You know what? You find a way to convince someone to put it on. And then Saturday, you wake up all day. You're nursing a hangover, and boom, you've got all these games. Well, I'm probably just mainly focused on the Fiesta Bowl, the Rose Bowl, and, the sugar, and then the Sugar Bowl, which I believe is Oklahoma State, Notre Dame, yep. uh, Utah, Ohio State, which I know some people are bagging on that game. I think that could be a pretty good game, especially with the way Utah's come on. Utah can run the ball. Ohio State can throw the ball. Both the defenses suck. It's going to be a shootout. Which is what the Rose Bowl is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a shootout. So that, exactly. I think and then the nightcaps, obviously Baylor versus Old Miss, which Old Miss really turned it around this year. They've had they've been a really good year. Yeah, Matt Corral's good. I I don't think he's going to be like a great NFL quarterback. I just don't think he's got the size or the. I think he's very Zach Wilsony, where he, he's going to throw a million interceptions whenever he ends up starting. Um, but. I think I think those are all going to be great games. Ole Miss is a really good team. Baylor's defense is phenomenal. Oklahoma State's defense is phenomenal. Um, like I said, Ohio State and Utah—they're going to throw the ball and run the ball for a, a million yards. So it's going to be fun. I, I think they got it right pretty much across the board. They're they're restricted a little bit because they've got each bowl game has the parameters that they're stuck with. So like the Rose Bowl, it's Big Ten versus Pac-12. That's it. Unless it's a playoff game, it's got to be those two conferences. So they were stuck with the Utah. I I would assume that they would have liked to get, say, like a Ole Miss first Ohio State. That would probably be better for them, but still going to be a good game. And with the parameters that they're stuck with, it ended up being, you know, they did they did a good job. I understand. I never under I never really got the parameters, but then, like I said, after reading the book, you kind of learn for a lot of Big Ten teams, like in their fans. Look, making the Rose Bowl is a huge deal back, especially like in Kurt say like the 70s, 80s, 90s, basically before the BCS era. Yeah. Yeah, like like Washington, that they made that their thing because Washington was never a, a perennial powerhouse, but when they had a good season, they knew they could make it to the Rose Bowl. And that was like their national championship. So I, I think that's the best one. It kind of sucks with like the Sugar Bowl, where it's an SEC team versus is it SEC Big Ten or Big Twelve? So that always sucks because it always ends up being an SEC team that has a good defense and they can shut down the Big 12 offense and then the SEC team wins. Um, but it, the reason they do it is because the TV contracts. ESPN's got SEC and, and Big 12, so they get that game. Fox gets the Rose Bowl because they have Pac-12 and Big 10. It's you know That's the way it works. 
the way sports works nowadays. It's whatever whoever has the TV contracts for specific games. Exactly. So now it's going to be great to see Fowler and Herbstreit go from either semifinal, literally get on a jet, go to Pasadena, which I was realizing that when I was watching game day yesterday, uh, yesterday I was like, okay, so these two were in Vegas. Now they're in Atlanta. I'm like, how much sleep are these guys really running on? I mean, they're, they're on some nice private jets. I'm sure they get some oh, sleep yeah. on those. Exactly. It's not like they're flying commercial or anything. Like Kurt literally right. says, he's like, I'm, uh, we have this. And then I just basically, like, we do game day. Then I just literally boop, boop onto the jet. And I'm in my city where I'm calling my game. Um, yeah. Just going back to tomorrow night quickly, obviously, because we want to finish on that. I'm not going to say a score prediction because every time I do, every time I say it out loud, we always lose. So I, I, you know what? Just there's certain things I just got, I just got to keep for myself. Some people are trying to pressure me into it. The only thing I'm going to say tomorrow night is I'm taking Patriots to cover the spread. I think, cause like I said, we win, win or lose. Win, win. I'm too excited. I'm getting my words mixed up. Win or lose this game tomorrow night. Look, I just want to see a good football game, and I don't think it's going to be a shootout. So I feel like there's going to be a lot of people on the outside that are disappointed, but then all along Patriots fans. And I don't know what kind of game Bills fans are expecting, um, but I'm just out there to enjoy it. I'm not going to get caught up in the garbage. Like, I know that was our title last time, don't because obviously it's Brady week, but I think biggest game in three years is the right title for – how we should feel tomorrow. And I think it's a great title for this podcast. Yeah. We talked to somebody that covers the bills uh, on our podcast earlier this week. And he was, he was kind of in the same boat where he was like, I'm not expecting a win by any means. But I also, you know, I think that there's a chance that they fall out the win, like not expecting a result either way, just understanding that it could go either way. Uh, what's the spread is it three and a half? Uh, I believe last time I checked it was two and a half. I'm going to look it up and then we'll wrap up in a minute because obviously I know you've got a hard stop here. Um, I know obviously we talked about it off air uh, as I get to there. Oh, nice. The Raptors won tonight. Uh, NFL. Oh, as a quick score update, the Chiefs are up uh, 7 nothing at the moment. Yep. Oh, yeah. I'm, my, my TV's in the other room. Uh, it's actually a three now for the Bills. Three. Yeah, so I think they cover or they push. Uh, I had 22-19. I think it's good. I, I think I said it earlier. I think it's just gonna be like a, a kind of gross game where neither team can really get anything going, maybe a couple big plays. Uh, but late in the fourth quarter, Bills have the ball with a chance to score. I think they score. I think they win the game. No, that's a fair that's a fair argument to agree with. I think that can happen. I think tomorrow what we're gonna see is is just a finish like I feel like a similar finish to Patriots Dallas, but without the high scoring, you know, where it's kind of yeah. like back and forth. And then I feel like this is a game really where the last team to hold it is going to win the game. I think, I think turnovers are going to be huge and we haven't seen Mac Jones make those mistakes yet. I think Buffalo's defense is good enough to force him to make at least one that kind of swings the game in their favor. That's why I that's, think tomorrow. That's that's the, I was just going to say that's life with the rookie quarterback though. You can't be, you know, you can you can expect those things at least once. He's not going to go all year without making one of those mistakes. No, exactly. And I'm going to ask you a quick question. Obviously, you and I both high school football veterans here. What you said you played linebacker again, right? Or were you? I played defensive line and punchable. Oh, okay. Uh, defensive line. I was defensive tackle too. So t- tomorrow's game is going to be one of the trenches. We know that. I, I I don't feel like we know that, but I'm just going to say that tomorrow's game is truly going to be one of the trenches on either side of the ball. Yeah, I think. I think specifically Patriots on offense, Buffalo on defense. I, I don't I don't think like I put no stock into Buffalo's run game. I think they're terrible on the ground. I don't like Devin Singletary or Zach Moss. I don't think either one of them are particularly that good. Um, but the Patriots also their their defensive line, you know, has had trouble stopping the run. So um, I think that's kind of a wash either way. But that's the strength on either side on the other. The, the other end of the coin where New England's offense, they run the ball, they control the clock. That's what they do. But Buffalo's defense, like Star Ludale, who's going to be back. Um, Ed Oliver's come on this year. He's been really good. Tremaine Edmonds is phenomenal. Gregory Rousseau. Greg Rousseau. So the, AJ Epinesa, like they, they're, they're really good up front. So I think that's where it comes into – that's where that matchup comes into hand is – uh, Patriots on offense, can they move the ball effectively on the ground? If they can't, they have no chance of winning. I think they will be able to early. I think down the stretch is where things get ugly for them. When when they're forced, if they if they fall behind, they're forced to throw the ball a little bit, I think things can get ugly for the Patriots. But I, I feel like I'm talking about a terrible team. The Patriots are really good. I just think Buffalo is also really, really good, and it's a home game for them. The wind's going to be whipping around. It's going to have to be on the ground. So uh, 
like I said, Buffalo squeaks out with a win, but maybe in New England in a couple of weeks, New England squeaks out with a win. I agree with your cautious optimism because that's how I am. Because I'll be honest with you, for the last three games, people are saying to me, why didn't you bet on the Patriots? It was such an easy bet. I'm just like, look, I don't – every time – because every time I think with the Patriots that we're going to win a game and be confident, we lose. I did it for Houston. I haven't done it since Houston. Um, even then, since then, look, we obviously lost to the Cowboys, but we killed the Jets, killed the Panthers. Browns game was unexpected. Uh, Falcons, I thought maybe potential trap game because I was like, look, short week with travel. You never know. I thought Falcons would be pissed off. It turns out the Falcons are bad. And then last week, I even said the same thing, too. I'm like, Titans are going to find a way. And then I honestly think if it weren't for that punch out that uh, J.C. Jackson did, who knows how much? Who knows if we actually do win that game. So I look at it this way. Look, whatever happens, happens tomorrow night. And at the end of the day, it's just a football game. It won't affect our lives. It will for a few hours. But after that, just shake it off. And like J.C. says, best on to the next one. Yeah, no big deal. Whatever. If they lose, not my business. Yeah, it's just good. I feel like it could be good motivation coming. I feel like either way, it could be good motivation come going into the bye week. Because either look, you have a team that's pissed off going into Indy, or you got a team that's on another level going into Indy. Without a doubt, like, if they end up losing this game, the focus is going to be crazy for them. Because you win six in a row after telling Matt Judon was telling people for weeks that they're better than one and three and two and four and those bad records they have, and they proved that. But then then you come off with a win against a team that um it's like the best the biggest adversity that you face in a month and a half and then you end up losing to them i'm sure that would put a chip on their shoulder so it might not be a terrible thing for them to lose tomorrow but um obviously looking for the win but if they lose it's not the end of the world they'll be all right exactly so whatever happens happens everything happens for a reason is what it is that's all i gotta say well anyway folks um i think that's gonna do it here for episode 135 of ywc football talk i appreciate keegan coming on to chat with me once again if you want to find them all the links will be in the bio you know where to find them and uh, that's going to do it. So whatever, we'll see where we are emotionally in, uh, see, 24, 27 hours from now. We'll see where we are 27 hours from now, and then we'll go from there. Anyway, guys, good night. Go Pats. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, undercurrent podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.